0: Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's Sermon Podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would well, there we go. receive encouragement, exhortation. And as Greg said, and I'm also that one of the pastors. Here. I'm, I'm the pastor of Zoom Ministries. Enjoy. Um, and I get to preach today. And apparently we have a theme going these past three weeks because Greg had COVID and preached via Zoom. And then Amy had a sickness and was preaching last week. And now I get to preach when I'm sick a little bit. So also, so just like Amy last week, if I like need to like stop to cough or like get a drink of water, just roll with it. You know, we'll see how things go. So as some of you might know, I I grew up mostly in Stony Plain. So it's just outside of Edmonton there. Um, And I went to school and uh, I went to university in Calgary. And when I got to university, a lot of people would ask, what church are you from? They wouldn't really ask, where'd you grow up? Or, like, where did you live before? They would ask, what church are you from? And that kind of always got me thinking, like, why are we asking people what church they're from? Like, I mean, I get that Ambrose University is, like, largely Alliance and Nazarene churches, but then it's also a bunch of different other churches. But people would always ask, what church are you from? They wouldn't ask just regularly where are you from to get a kind of a background of of your personality or what your upbringing was like and I always found that a little bit interesting and like bugged me a little bit not a ton but a little bit and I just want to quickly ask you guys have you ever been in a similar situation where somebody wants to identify you based on the church building that you go to instead of all the other things that define you as a person just like when I was at Ambrose when I first met people they would ask what church are you from So today, uh, we're continuing in our series, The Meaning of Oranges. And if you've been coming for the past number of weeks, you've heard a couple different descriptions. Um, And if you haven't been listening, uh, you're probably like, what the heck does the meaning of oranges mean? Why why is that the title? So I'm here to tell you that. As a pastoral team, we decided on this title uh, for this series based on an analogy that Nick gave a number of weeks ago when he preached his message on deconstruction. In this analogy, there was a family that, uh, a while back, bought oranges and would give them over Christmas to their family and their friends and their neighbors. And it was kind of this special thing because oranges were more expensive and they were harder to find. So it was a special thing that they got and it was, it was, pretty, it was awesome to have those. Um, it, was, it was just a little treat for them. And then a couple generations forward, so the younger generation, they, they kept up this tradition, they kept buying oranges and giving them to their friends and family and, and their neighbors. But they never really understood the tradition. They just thought, oh, this is something cool that, you know, great-grandma, and great-grandpa used to do, and now we're doing it. This is, this is pretty cool. This is fu- kind of fun little tradition. But they didn't actually really get why they were doing it. They were just doing it because it's something that their family did. And the point of this illustration was that we sometimes continue to do things because we simply say that it's a tradition. We don't actually really remember why we're doing what we're doing. We're just doing it because people have told us, hey, this is how we do things, so we keep doing it. So today, we're going to be talking about the meaning of the church. So last week, Pastor Amy mentioned the church a number of times in her sermon. And each time that she said it, almost every single time, it meant something slightly different. At times, it meant uh, the people that came on a Sunday morning to the service. At other times, it meant the building that everybody would go to. And at other times, it meant the universal church. So a couple of different meanings of or ways that you could interpret what the church was based on how Amy was talking. Um, For those of you who, just quickly, don't know what the universal church means... Uh, just very briefly, it's, it means the collection of all believers across the globe as one big church. Uh, regardless of denomination, regardless of where you live, uh, race, gender, whatever, if you, believed in G- if you believe in Jesus, you are part of the universal church. So that's just quickly what that means if you're kind of confused by that. So as we get started, I want to ask you the question uh, that I, I want you just to think about as we go throughout our sermon. When we talk about the church... What is the first thing that comes to mind? When I say the word church, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? The first mention of the word church is in Matthew 16. So, the section of Matthew starts off with Jesus and his disciples talking with his disciples, and Jesus is giving them a warning to not be like the Sadducees or the Pharisees. And he gives two main reasons as to why he doesn't want his disciples to be like them. The first is because they're hypocrites they don't follow what they're telling people what to follow. The second is because both of these people groups lacked faith. Jesus didn't want to see his people fall down this road. Jesus didn't want to see his disciples become uh, hypocrites or lack their own faith. Uh, So that is the beginning of our passage. And then we get uh, to our section of Matthew 16, verses 13 to 18. So if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to flip there. If not, it will also be up on the screens. So it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. What about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for this was not re- revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So the word church here uh, is a Greek word, ecclesia. Ecclesia. And that word, directly translated, if you were to take just the word Ecclesia and translate it, it directly means those that are called out. So the word church doesn't refer to a building, but the people who are in that building, the true believers. A church building is simply a practical necessity for believers to have a place to meet, to hear the word of God from a teacher, to pray together, to love one another, to sing, and to have Christian fellowship. And this building can look very differently depending on your context. For us, it's this building that we're in right now. For other people, it's a house church where they literally just meet in somebody's living room. Other churches are absolutely ginormous like First Alliance in Calgary where it's literally like a shopping mall. But that's just a building. God calls people by his spirit. And when we respond, we become believers in Jesus and then we automatically become a member of his church. In today's society, there are sometimes many requirements to become a member of man's church. But there's only one requirement to becoming a member of God's church, the true confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So just a side note here, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to have requirements to become a member within a church. Churches do have people specifically called members. That doesn't mean every single person who goes there. Um, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to have that. There are reasons to have a member. There are reasons to have requirements to become a member. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, It's just that you don't have to be a member of, of a specific church to be a member of God's family. So that's just a quick little note there. With man's church, the building itself is often called the church. For example, if you were to drive around town, you would see signs out for buildings that say Methodist Church, or Presbyterian Church, or Baptist Church, or United Church, or our sign outside that says uh, the Alliance Church. But don't be deceived, the building is not the church. The sign would accurately read if it said meeting place of the Methodist Church, or meeting place of the Presbyterian Church, or meeting place of whatever church it is. The building may be a place for the church, but the building itself is not and cannot be the church because Ecclesia means those who have been called. An inanimate and material object, such as a building, of course, would never be called by God. Only people can be called by him. So when we think of the church, we should be thinking of the body of Christ. And when we talk about the building, I would challenge everyone to start saying, the church building. Not just the church, the church building. So what does it mean to be, for us to be the church uh, if it doesn't mean the building that we congregate in? The church is the body of Christ. One of the best descripti- descriptive terms as to what the church is and how we are to function. This description can be found in a couple of different places within your Bibles. But today we're going to be uh, looking specifically at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 21 to 27. So if you have a Bible again, I'd invite you to turn there, because I need a drink of water. So it says, The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we are all given one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. As it is, there, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot be the hand. I do, the, well, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and in, indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable unrepresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given great honor to, uh, to the parts that lack it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should be have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. The body of Christ is not something that is, and anti- or the body of Christ is anti-individualistic. It means that Christians shouldn't be able to happily exist just watching a service on their phone or their computer or their laptop or whatever it might be that uh, they watch it on, um, whether or not uh, being while well, they're not being with other believers. So we started having our online services because of what we were living through. We were living through a hard time where we were told that we weren't allowed to gather together. So we went online. And it was great for the time. But now we need to keep it for those times when we can't come in person. At times, being at home and watching a live stream of church, uh, of a church service, is going to be something that we need. There's going to be times when we can't make it in person because we're sick, or a family member is sick, or for those of you who have little kids who can't, just can't get them out the door in the morning. Those are all good reasons to not be here in person. But watching Sunday service online isn't something that should be done long term. The called out ones are the ones that are gathering together. Being online is okay for a short time, but we can't neglect gathering together in person. We are designed to have face-to-face community and not do everything over a screen. I do want to say that if you're watching our live stream, and if you have a group gathering in your, in your home or you're at somebody else's home, that is awesome. Keep doing that if you have that community. But for those that aren't gathering with others, and you're continuing to isolate at home, I want to challenge you to come join us in person again. Come rejoin the community, because online shouldn't be our primary way of fellowshipping with others. Us coming together and having fellowship together is what God has created us for. That's part of what being the body of Christ is, coming together and having fellowship face-to-face. We just read it here in verse 14 that the body is not made up of one part, but of many. In order to be the church, we actually need to be together to be the full body. Not as different parts keeping to themselves and operating on their own. We also need to realize that each part of the body is just as important as the next part. Romans 12 verses 4 to 5 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, So in Christ we, though many form one body, and each member belongs to to all the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Each body part has its own function and its own gifting. I don't have the same function that each of you sitting in this room, room do. I don't have the same function that Pastor Amy and Pastor Greg do. You don't have the same function As a person who is sitting beside you take a look around you right now those people around you don't have the same gift we all need each other and because we don't have the same gift we all operate differently we need each other just like a body it needs all of its parts to function properly and because none of us function the same way we can't let our functions or giftings lay dormant. We need to utilize them and exercise them. So again, going back to the analogy that Pastor Amy used last week of the, uh, of the arm wrestler. I've seen pictures of them, they look absolutely ridiculous. They're hilarious. If you haven't seen a picture of them, honestly, look it up online when you get home. Funniest thing, because they're these skinny, tiny little dudes with absolutely massive arms. Like, their arms are almost the size of my body, like, it's ridiculous. And that's what, it, that's what it's like. We need, we can't just have certain parts of the body that are being exercised more than others. All parts of the body need to be exercised and function in unity with one another. Certain gifts also shouldn't be seen as more important than others. And it's the same on the flip side, certain gifts shouldn't be seen as less important than others. Uh, there's kind of three main areas in the Bible that have spiritual gifts, and each of them have slightly different lists. And as you look at the list, there's going to be gifts that are like, man, those gifts look awesome. I would love to have that gift. And there's other gifts as you go through the list in a second. I mean, it's a cool gift because it's something that you'd get from God, but it's just kind of meh. But that's not how we should be seeing spiritual gifts. We should be praising those who have those really cool gifts, of being like, man, that's awesome. Utilize those. And then those ones that we think aren't the best in our own opinion, we should still be honoring and spurring on those people who don't have the gifts that we'd necessarily want because all of them are important. All of them work in unity with one another. At youth, I've been going through a, a spiritual gift series with, with our students. And a lot of the times, as I'm preparing our spiritual gifts, I'm like, I kind of feel like I've been talking about this gift already. And then I'm like, nope, haven't talked about this one yet. It just works really, really well with some of the other gifts that I've taught. All of the gifts are intertwined because they're supposed to be working together hand in hand with each other. Let's look again at uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 21 to 26. Those verses say, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the, hand and the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we need to treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty. Well, our pre- presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its part, parts should have equal concern for each other. It's one, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejo- rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. We're all in this together. As a body of Christ, we should be pushing towards unity with one another, and even and that even means from across different denominations. Last weekend, I got to bring a group to a youth conference called "Disturbing the Peace," and it's a youth conference held at Grand Prairie Alliance Church, and uh, it's just it's just a great weekend. We had just under 500 students show up, which is absolutely fantastic. And the part that makes this even cooler is they're all different denominations. Not everybody who was there was from the Alliance Church. And it's so cool to see because when all those kids showed up, you couldn't tell that they were from different denominations. You couldn't tell that they had slightly different theologies because they were all one body. They were all serving and loving one God. And that's how it should be. Even though like, it's okay to believe slightly different things than another Christian, That's okay. But we need to come together as one body, as one one body of believers, regardless of what our background might be. So not only is the church the body of Christ, but it's also the bride of Christ. And we can see this in Ephesians 5, verses 25 to 32. So it says... "'Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church "'and gave himself for her, to make her holy, "'cleansing her with the washing with the water "'through, through the words, and to present her to, to himself "'as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle "'or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. "'In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives "'as their own bodies. "'He who loved his wife loves himself. "'After all, no one ever hates his own body.' but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of the body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and his church. Based on this passage, we see two main characteristics of the church as a bride. The first is that church, the church, is beloved by God. Just as a groom loves his bride, God adores his church. He doesn't say this through his words, though. He shows it to us through his actions. He died on the cross for us. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Just like a husband acts, God's actions towards the church are always full of love. God promises that we are never alone. He has our back. He will always provide for us and that he will protect us. The second thing that, uh, that Ephesians shows us is that the church is radiantly beautiful. Just like a glowing bride dressed in a white gown on her wedding day, the church is portrayed in the Bible as washed and splendidly pure because of the work of Christ. Though the church is made up of sinful people, Redemption is a powerful restorative focus that also looks forward to glory when everything wrong will be made right. When God sees his church, he sees her made whole and holy, glorious and graciously freed from the stains of sin and shining in the light of his love. And just as he's demonstrated in the Old Testament through the prophets who portrayed portrayed God's people, As a straying wife with an ever faithful husband, we can rejoice that God delights to cleanse his bride in an ongoing way when she stumbles. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1.9. So why is it important to remember the meaning of the church? Well, one reason that it's good to remember the meaning of the church is because there's going to be times where it's super easy to attend a Sunday service and then later on get mad at the church because it does or doesn't do something. Getting mad at the church, like we're not a part of it, that the church is all these other people that we see and that it's up to them to fix the things that we're mad at. But when we remember that, the ch- that we are the church, everyone in this room is the church, we can then realize that we can actually make the change. If we don't like the certain way that things are operating, we can actually voice that. We can bring that to others. Because we're the church, because we are the body of Christ, we can bring those things forward. I have a friend, and in my last year of university, she was always like, man, I don't like the way that the church is doing this. I don't like the way that the church is handling their funds. I don't like all of these things. And each time I was like, what do you mean by the church? And she was always like, oh, like the organization. Like the people who run the church. And I was like, well, that's not the church. You you are the church. The people who run the church is Jesus. Like, if you're getting mad at the way that the church is run, say something about it. Don't just sit there and get mad. Because you are the church you have a right to say things. It's like you can come to pastors and say things when you're mad. Might not always mean that things are going to change, but we'll be able to walk things through with you. When we realize that all of us are part of the body, that you yourself and myself are actually part of the body, it's actually a lot less difficult to get mad at the church because that also means that you have to be mad at yourself for what you're doing. It's also a good reminder who the church is when we're interacting with others. When we approach a conversation with somebody, the conversation will always, always be more appealing when we remember that we're all part of the same body and that we're all part of the same family rather than different people coming from two different backgrounds, two different families, having a random conversation. It will always be more appealing when you realize we're all part of the same family and one body So as we move into our closing song, I want to leave you guys with this question. How are you being the church? Those here in person and those who are joining us online, what are you doing to be the church? And what are some of the next steps that you're taking to continue to be the active body of Christ within our community? The worship team is going to lead us in a closing song, and then I'm going to be back to give us our benediction. So as we go throughout this coming week, I just want to encourage you, if you guys don't know what part of the body you are or what your giftings are, take time this week to learn what that might look like. Take time to pray about it, ask God, and take time to be with other believers. Gather with them and ask them, hey, what do you think my role is here? And for those of you who do know what your role is, who do know what your gifting is, lean into that. God gave that to you for a purpose. You'll thrive when you work through those sins. So continue to push into those. So go in peace to love and serve the Lord this week. You are dismissed. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you'd like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.